Hello, everyone, and welcome to Going for the Green, the Daily Roto Fantasy Golf Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I am joined by Colin Drew here to discuss the BMW Championship at Medina. But first, Drew B, you're coming off a win, my guy. Score one for the good guys, Davis. It was a nice week last week. Ended up taking down the uh, large field GPP on FanDuel for 30K. So that was pretty awesome. Um, a, a lot had to go right for me, obviously, in the winning lineup. Um, and just overall, I would say my player pool last week wasn't particularly good on FanDuel. It wasn't particularly good on DraftKings. Um, but when you're, when you're making 300 lineups in a week, all it takes is one of those to come together with the right pieces. And I did happen to put one of those together with the right pieces. Patrick Reed, Abraham Answer was the, the key to that one because he was like 1% owned on both sites and then paired him up with John Rahm, Adam Scott, Billy Horschel, and Rory Sabatini. So I think there were a couple things that obviously went right for me there. Um, and then even that lineup, if that was on DK, where you're playing against like 100,000 plus people, it wouldn't have had that big of a score. So I think the fact that it was on FanDuel with like the 20,000 person GPP versus, you know, 100 or 200K on DraftKings, I think was another reason why it seems like every week this year I've been live on FanDuel at some point on the weekend. And, and it was nice to get my second one. I had another big one earlier this year. So um, good, good GPP season on FanDuel. Not very good for me on DraftKings though. Now we just got to get you, we got to get you even in crowns. You definitely have way more FDPs than you have crowns. And that's a problem. I- I know we were we were talking. I need to be grinding the the crown achievements for golf a little bit harder to to try to claw back some of the the money I've donated back to the DK ecosystem. After after the world is is gone, the only thing that's going to be left is cockroaches and crowns. Truby, crowns <laughs> are going to be worth their weight in gold someday. Yeah, as far as like the the overall roster construction on FanDuel, uh, I generally approach it similarly to DraftKings um, as far as leveraging the shuffle and trying to leverage some projected ownership constraints. There is a lot of ownership that translates in price ranges from DK to FanDuel. Obviously, it's a little bit softer pricing on FanDuel in general. So the the two things I think are unique there are how I tweak the ownership constraint on FanDuel. And then also on on FanDuel, a lot of times you get these um, stars and scrubs builds. And one of the things I've started to do there is the the guys that I consider punt-ish plays, like Abraham Answer was last week. Um, I create a group for those guys and and the daily road optimizer and I set it to a max one of those guys so that I'm not getting like multiple 1% punts that are like 15% to T20 jammed into the same lineup. So I don't know. It's a pretty simple approach and it seemed like it's worked out well, especially with um, a a lot of the ownership funnels to the top end guys. So the weeks that a balanced golfer does win, uh, I feel like I'm always, always kind of there knocking at the door. That's all. That's all we're. That's all we're asking for. You just. You just want to have a chance. You want to have a reason to watch golf on Sunday, right? Like that. That's really all that we're rooting for here is a reason to turn the broadcast on on Sunday. Ironically, I, I didn't even watch Sunday. Um, we had like a a pool play date for my one and a half year old daughter and her friends. So I was sweating it. Sweating it at the pool. I was actually sweating my other FanDuel GPP the earlier this year that I won at the pool as well. So. Um, but good luck. Something about the water. Yeah. So uh, do you want to talk any more about the Northern Trust? I don't. Rory, Rory coming in Rory coming in with the seven birdie two under round on Sunday was just like, oh, man. How, how is Rory McIlroy going to make five bogeys on a Sunday? It's just so tilting. <laughs> and then obviously Spieth doing Spieth things. Um, 
I mean, his short game is out of control in some of these these past few events, and it's just like such a disaster. Uh, I don't know. Did you see that the Instagram video of uh, Fowler, JT, and Spieth trying to swing a club lefty? And you could just like see how much more athletic those dudes are than Jordan when you when you watch that video. Yeah, no, it's that's a that's a real thing. That's a, that's a very real thing. I did see that one. Yeah, so that was pretty funny. But yeah, I don't know. There, I mean, no major takeaways. I think the course played easier than expected. Um, it did still benefit off the tee. It did just on that one day. On, on Thursday, it was it was a there was a huge wave split, and Thursday played the easiest by a whole stroke. Yeah. So the off the tee play ended up coming to fruition, but instead of um, approach, it, it definitely benefited putting, and that was kind of just a function of the scoring environment. Um, so I thought that was interesting. You never really know. We got the same thing this week. Of course, we haven't seen for a really long time. It, it seems like it should play tough. It seems like it should be a really big challenge. But, um, you know, it's been a long time since we've seen the course and the game's changed. Yeah. So the BMW Championship at Medina Golf Course, it's the, uh, the third course. It's hosted three U.S. Opens, hosted two PGA Championships, a Ryder Cup. It is a par 72, 7,700 yards long, one of the longest courses on tour, right up there with Torrey Pine South going to be tough to score uh probably the the thing that everyone remembers about this event is tiger woods obviously the uh the the course the the course history for uh for tiger will be great here I, i'll say this zero percent tiger woods is too much i just like i, I will not have a single time i'll probably play 700 lineups this week i won't have one with tiger woods in them yeah, I mean, you you can't even factor course history in just because it's like, oh, the best golfer of all time in his prime dominated this course. So right. what you got to do is find the the golfers that are you know the best golfers of all time in their prime, and and we'll have we'll have the Rory good. McElroy. Um, I mean, it is expected. <laughs> I'm like, it is expected generally to be a challenging scoring environment. Typically, would reward tee to green play more than an easier course, and that would definitely benefit Rory as well. Um. Rory, not not the goat for sure, but he's having a great season from a ball striking perspective. Um, I do think it'll play tough, which I think will also place a further emphasis on finishing points to separate uh, the rosters. Yeah, I am. I am not going to be taking writ, like guys like Furick or whatever. Just like there, I don't even like. Maybe I would play Furyk at like 5% or something. But in general, like I, I'm, I'm placing the most emphasis this week on strokes gained off the tee and distance. Yeah, I, so I think that's fair um, as, as far as like the emphasis. Uh, anybody who listens to this podcast, like I am less, I'm, I try less to, to figure out the golf side of things and try more to figure out the DFS side of things. And I think you're probably right from a course fit perspective, but when it actually comes down to building my rosters, building 300 lineups across the two sites, at the end of the day, I'm going to have some guys who, who aren't the longest in the world. And um, you know, those guys oftentimes will be 1% owned. And if they happen to come through with a high end finish and you can have that at really low ownership, then there's a lot of benefits there as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I like, I am playing so many lineups this week in an attempt to chase crowns that uh, I, 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 other than Tiger, I don't know if I will X anyone out, but I'm going to be boosting some guys that I normally don't play who are sort of long off the tee. So guys like uh, like Tony Finau would be a guy who I, I almost never play, who I think is like a little bit better of a course fit here, just like some minor stuff like that. I'm probably going to be tweaking my player pool that way. 
Yeah, and I think sometimes people listen to it and they they get a little carried away, and, and next thing you know, like Cam Champ ends up as one of the highest stone players, and like his ability to sure maybe the distance adds a little bit of upside, but it also can add a, a ton of downside. And um, this week, the seventy man field, the no cut event, the downside I guess is finishing seventieth, but um, it does impact the strategy a little bit, especially if placement points matter a lot. I think stars and scrubs can be a little bit viable. Um, not as far as total scrubs, like multiple scrubs in your lineup, but taking some shots here and there, um, I think is a viable way to go. I always try to use total projected ownership caps on my lineups. Usually I do this in the optimizer just to create contrarian lineups, but with the 70 man reduced field, you're also going to be trying to avoid duplicates. And so I think setting some caps on the total projected ownership is a good way to a introduce contrarian elements to your lineups um, like Abraham answer and then B just avoid some of those duplicates. The, the magic settings, 30, 35 shuffle, 74 total uh, projected ownership, 49,800 uh, total salary use. There was like a running joke in uh, Slack last year that like whatever you wanted to win, you just set your shuffle to that and that's what would happen. And um, ended up winning 25k last week when you take out the losses on DK and, and some of the entry fees. And so the shuffle was at 25 last week, Davis. So 25 shuffle for 25k. Um, might need to turn the shuffle up to 200 this week to try to take down a big one. Yeah, no, turn the turn the turn the shuffle up and turn the uniques up. The uniques is the multiplier. So if you have the shuffle at 100, you turn the uniques to two, and that turns it into 200k. That's how it works. <laughs> I like it. No, but in all seriousness, I do think the shuffle is a really valuable tool for getting some diversity in your player pool. Um, and the no cut this week, the cream will rise a little bit to the top. You saw some guys sneak in on the cut line and backdoor some good finishes last week. There will be no- You also saw the exact oh. opposite. You also saw guys sneak through and then like Luke List and uh, Siwoo Kim just like nuclear annihilated themselves on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, so no no Xander debacles this week. The, the cream should rise to the top <laughs> and- um, always want contrarian elements, but I think you can kind of play. Um, you don't have to necessarily get too defensive and worry about the miscut. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, I guess we we should look at guys who have just some of the best form coming into this right now. Rom and Rory are are crushing right now. Uh, just you know, a bunch of consecutive, uh, not consecutive, but a bunch of top ten scattered in their recent form. Webb Webb just continues every week. Every the guy the guy's just uh, he's just uh, the payout machine. Uh, 16th, 30th, second, second, 18th, Rose, 13th, third, 20th, 11th, 10th. Fleetwood, I, I I'm pretty sure I've played Fleetwood zero times throughout this run for his 13th, 23rd, second, fourth, 43rd. Pretty sure Fleetwood is like the easiest guy for me to exclude every week when I'm looking for reasons not to play guys. Yeah, he's pretty cheap this week, so hopefully you'll get a little bit of exposure um, this week. You know, you kind of flag some of the good performances. Like we, we've talked about Webb on this podcast repeatedly. I always wonder in these super loaded fields if he's going to contend. And for the most part, we haven't seen the the contention and he contends in some of the weaker ones, but um, feels like a safe bet for a really strong finish. Um, I, I tend to value Webb a tiny bit lower than Data Golf, but it doesn't really matter. He still ends up like a building block as part of the player pools, especially on DraftKings where the pricing is a little bit tougher. Relative to their individual baseline, Patrick Reed was coming in with good form into the victory last week. We glossed over that a little bit, but he was coming in having finished 23rd, 10th, 12th, and 22nd. We'd also seen progressive improvements in his strokes gained T to green play. Um, 
it's one of the things it's always hard to to tease out with golfers. So Reed had notoriously changed, had gotten like the swing coach and was working on improving it. And then you saw the stats start to align with that as far as something coming to fruition. So a lot of emphasis can be put on that in content because we know that the swing coach change happened. Um, but the other golfers who are like, it's not like they're sitting there like trying to get worse or not practicing or not doing things to get better. And mm -hmm. so it's always hard to like tease out whether or not to wait something like a swing coach change or a swing change or new clubs when you do see the data kind of support that there's improvement. Um, but then there's all these other players where it's like, they're not just sitting at home, like they're practicing trying to get better too, you know? Yeah. So I, I, I would say that I, it's just sort of interesting with Reed. Like, I don't know, there's probably like, I'm not going to play Patrick Reed this week. He's 9,600. He's more expensive than Adam Scott. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> like Patrick Reed. And, and you definitely get the, the big quick upticks in pricing off of any um, big win. And yeah, I mean, he's $200 away from Patrick. Oh, big, big win, small field back to back. So it, it'll, I don't think the ownership's going to go to Reed either. I think he's going to end up being um, pretty low owned. People typically don't chase the victory. Yeah, they don't. And I mean, I don't know, like, I guess I haven't, I haven't like ran through anything yet, but he's like receiving a negative value uh, projection at his, uh, like, at, like at his salary. But I guess with the shuffle high enough, he would still probably end up in some teams, I would think. Especially, I mean, the only reason I had any exposure last week wasn't that he was popping as a great value, but it's just a combination of the shuffle and the projected ownership cap and mm -hmm. um, generally is a, a more contrarian player, especially on FanDuel. Yeah, I mean, I had I had some Patrick Reed last week despite not making any effort, but I also X out a ton of guys. Like, that's like a, that's a big part of my process is just like nuking dudes who I think are going to be chalk. Yeah, so before we get into the player pool, we've also got a ton of stuff going on over at Daily Roto with the NFL DFS season coming up. Really great time to get involved and check out our product there. Um, for the next two weeks, we're actually going to have our NFL optimizer open to the public. You'll be able to take a look at our way too early week one projections, which are going to change a lot in the coming weeks. But it will give you um, a player pool to test out and use the optimizer and decide if it's a pretty good fit for you. Hopefully, you will want to join us for the NFL DFS season. If you want to save 10%, you can use the code FNTSY. But if you just want to check it out and play with it for the next two weeks, it's a great time to to play with the, the product. I'm really excited about um, NFL coming up, not just for showdown season, but it's just uh, it's a, it's an awesome DSS sport in general. Yeah, could not could not really be more excited for NFL at this point. I'll probably at this point I'm gonna have to take out a loan for more drafts. Like it's just that they're just they're just so easy to fire off. So yeah. definitely excited for NFL season. Yeah, DC, um, so I live in Maryland, like right near the DC border, and Maryland has these weird like deposit laws where you actually can't um, on like a monthly basis you can't. It's like a super nitty amount. And so I have to like drive to the DC border if I want to deposit anything more than like a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a knit season up there. <laughs> it's crazy. So yeah, anyways, into the player pool this week. Um, a lot, six guys above 10K. The no cut event, obviously part of the reason and part of the driving force for that, but also just the performances. Some of these guys starting to align a little bit um, and we've seen DJ come down in price. We've seen Brooks and Rory kind of stay up towards the top. And then you got Rom, JT, and Rose who have taken a little bit of a leap in pricing this week. Yeah. So uh, I would say I just like, I mean, 
I want to play Brooks just because this is a course where the fact that he just is like, you know, 330 yard tee shot, 250 yard approach shot. That's totally in Brooks's wheelhouse, but it's very hard for me to, again, pay more than like Dustin. Dustin is 1100 cheaper at this point. Yeah. And I think, um, DJ's ownership. I mean, like I had a, a healthy amount of DJ last week, uh, started off pretty strong through the first two rounds and it, you know, by the end he kind of fell back, but he was there in contention for a while. Um, One of the top five off the tee players in the field, one of the top 20 approach players projected ownership of him right now is sub 10%. I've got Rom around 20% right now, DJ sub 10%. And at that level, I mean, you just, I just have to get exposure to DJ in tournaments. Um, Differentiating between Brooks and Rory is a little bit tougher for me. Uh, I, I, I think Brooks still deserves a boost above where the default data golf projections have him. And he is projecting for 10% ownership, Rory closer to 17%. Um, I would kind of flip a coin between those two, which I, I think makes me feel like I need to get some Kepka exposure, especially in FanDuel where it's a little bit easier to afford. I will, I will probably give him like, let's see, let's see what it takes to get him back to. So I'll probably give him like plus six just to get him in like, I don't know, 5% or something. And maybe I just do that instead of playing Justin Thomas or Justin Rhodes, which is tough because I like both of them, but you can't just play everybody. You can't just, you can't just pay the rake. So maybe I won't play Brooks. I, I mean, my, my order of exposure here is going to be Rory first, Rom second, Dustin third and if the other guys don't fit then they don't fit and I'm not going to worry too much about it yeah and I guess my lean um having not finalized my lineups and and hoping the projected ownership stays as it is I think my lean would be DJ then Brooks then Rory and then Rom um just because I think the projections on all these guys are pretty close and if we're going to see material ownership gaps between the two of them or four of them rather um then I want I want the guys that could be ten percent owned, especially if the scoring ends up being challenging and the placement points matter a lot. Yeah, and and I think I think that is like that's probably a good point that the the placement points are like more important than like looking at dudes who are like you know good DK scores or whatever. At least that's what we think, right? We we were wrong last week. We we could be wrong again, but that's you know the best we can do is put our best foot forward. Yeah. So I, I don't have, I guess I don't have a ton of big observations other than that. If, if this Dustin Johnson, per, like if he is single digit ownership, even, even if he is uh, Dust J, I, I just, I don't even matter. You just got to chase him. Dustin think, Johnson, take my energy. Yeah. <laughs> I think he has to be, he has to be single digit ownership, I, in my opinion, because the price is, you know, it's not extremely affordable and there's six guys above 10K. Right now, I have 88% of the rosters starting with at least one guy up there, um, or 88% of the ownership with one guy up there. And that seems like a little high. A lot of people like to go balance. So if anything, right now, I think there's room for the top guys to come down a little bit. And so I, w- I would definitely um, max bet DJ under 10%. Yeah, I mean, and if he is, you know, especially because I, I do use those same, own- like I use those ownership constraints, I'll probably end up with not very much ROM, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah, you know, tough scene. Uh, moving on to the to the nine K guys again. Chalk, chalk, Cantlay, ninety eight hundred. You know, one of the absolute best values on the board. Yep, like Cantlay a lot. Um, I, you know, no day to take. I feel like his upside is a little bit higher than Webb's. Um, they project pretty similarly. 
both great values, um, both sandwiched around Patrick Reed. I think they're better plays, even taking into account the fact that I do think their ownership will be higher than Reed's. I don't think people are going to chase Reed's ownership, but uh, I mean, I just, I really like Cantley Webb in this range. Yeah. Uh, I also really like Adam Scott. I think it's easy to not play Reed. I think it's easy, obviously, to not play Jordan. I think it's easy to not play Ricky. So I can see my ownership really condensing on Cantley, Webb, and Scott here. And as we, the aforementioned fact that I just, I never play noted gutless Euro Tommy Fleetwood. So I think Fleetwood's a great play. The, I was pretty shocked at where his projected ownership came in. And it's early in the week, so it's hard to put too much emphasis in that. But if he's 10% owned, I mean, it kind of fits the same type of criteria that Adam Scott did last week, where it's a, a guy that is a good play, a good value per the model that isn't flying completely under the radar, but is definitely um, materially lower owned than everybody else that's kind of stuck in that same price range with him. So um, I think I'll end up with a, a lot of Tommy Fleetwood um, and and just kind of hope that it shakes back the other way. How much of a galaxy brain play would Jordan Spieth be? Is it, is it like the biggest galaxy brain play of all time? He's like the worst play on the board, not even close. I mean, the best short game, like his short game is unbelievable right now, but it was crazy. I think I saw a stat that he hit like nine greens and made seven birdies during one of his uh, rounds last week, which is just totally surreal. But then, I mean, I guess if you think the course fit is totally wrong and that ball striking is not going to be rewarded and the course is going to play easy teeter green and and then you just count on speed with the scorching hot short game but how is it possible that cameron champ is in this field i'm looking i'm sorting by negative values on data golf how is it possible that after the year that cameron champ has had he is in the top 70 players in the fedex cup playoffs it is crazy isn't it i I, maybe he's cracked the code like you guys have cracked the crown code on DraftKings in the daily road of slack chat and maybe champ has cracked the fedex code you're saying that you're saying that he is like he's like uh, he's like Matt Kuchar. He's like he's gamed he's gamed the system basically. Just grinding FedEx Cup points because yeah. he knows that you're in this guaranteed paycheck field with massive prize pools. It's uh, all you got to do is run good once. The idea of Cameron Champ being a crown grinder, like the equivalent of a crown grinder, is one of the best ideas ever stated on this podcast. I think. <laughs> um, so getting go like man. Xander at 8,600. I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that. Like again, I'm supposed to go back to the well. Yeah. He's going to, I, and what I mean, but what I mean by, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that is I don't know how he's going to be in less than 50% of my lineups. Yeah. I mean, the, the play is to go back to the well with Xander. Um, we got him for 15% ownership. I could see it going higher. Honestly, I could see it going to 20. Louis looking like I've got him at 15. I could see him going down to 10. Um, but I, I think you got to go back to the well and take the price discount. And I think you're going to end up being overweight on Xander realistically. Yeah. I, I, I mean, again, and this is I, for, for the 97th week running, I'm going to be two X the field on Cantlay, Xander and Rory. And so I just need the, I just need the exact of those dudes coming in for second and third to have the, to have the stones. It just has to happen once all year. No, no big deal. Yeah. And there weren't, there weren't like red flags other than Xander's performance last week. There weren't really red flags. And uh, he is the type of player that gains strokes in all categories. He should be able to kind of fit the course, no matter how it ends up playing. And, you know, when I'm trying to break ties between guys that project very similarly in both the projections and ownership, like Xander Finau and Casey, then 
Uh, I definitely like having guys that kind of have it all to, to pick them up when it's not going well. Casey, obviously, you get the, the world-class ball striking, top 10 in the field in off the tee and approach play, but the short game can leave him immediately, and he's one of the worst putters in the field. So um, with those three guys, t- to me, in a single-entry three max, uh, it, is, it is Xander for me. Yeah. Um, I, I, I guess I already did mention, though, I'm probably going to give Finau – plus one or plus two just based on some of this distance stuff i and you know what i love i love a good golf villain so probably going to give bryson a, a good a good plus one or two as well that stuff i mean it was high comedy to me the bryson yeah. slow play stuff it does honestly it doesn't bother me too much it's fun to see people bitch about it it's fun to see how much it like tilts other players whether it's bryson or jb holmes um I mean, I'm just watching this stuff on TV. You're not seeing shots live half the time anyways. And so I don't really care if it took him, you know, 30 seconds or 90 seconds to line up a putt uh, from a fan perspective. But obviously for like your your weekend warrior, it's like tilting when you're behind guys that are acting like the Bryson or whatever. It's, it is horrible. Like playing, playing a round of golf on Saturday at any municipal golf course is just like, it's torture. It really is. It's so bad. Yeah, but it's like, I don't know, you're having like the same expectations for pros that you're going to have for like recreational golfers or something. Right, yeah. Um, I mean, the five-hour round on the on tour, like I could care less if they play in four and a half or three and a half or five hours. Right. Um, Kucher is a guy that Kucher is a guy that uh, doesn't fit the mold of this course. But, but dude, when it gets to be checks time, I'm going to give um, – Kucher's going to be in my lineups for sure. Like, he he, he has – he sends his blood in the water right now. Yeah, Kuch, I, I don't think he's going to be very heavily owned this week either just because I mean, there's a lot of name value in this field and some guys in this range. Um, he doesn't fit, like, the, the distance, right? So that – when you're talking about course fit, I guess maybe there's a slight knock there. But it, uh, Kucher's all around so solid. He, he should be able to – to hang around kind of inside the top 20 on a lot of different types of courses. And uh, I would prefer Matsuyama uh, just between those two at the same exact price, but in a portfolio of players I definitely see the, the reason to have both of them. Yeah. That's, so that's uh that's my, that's my big take on, uh, on Kucher this week. Obviously not going to be, here, here's some guys who I will not be playing. Brant Snedeker, Tiger Woods, those dudes will, uh, those dudes will not be in my player pool. Although we again have another fascinating decision point on what to do with Colin Morikawa. Yeah, so I, I definitely agree on Sned's um, day. I thought it was going to be one of the guys you threw out there too. Oh, uh, I, I day is such a bad golfer. I thought it literally went without saying. We'll not be <laughs> playing Jason Day either. And then uh, Tiger off the the WD last week. I, I mean, I got to reduce the projection, but if, if Day and Tiger end up at like 6% ownership or something like that, I have a feeling they're going to end up in builds and I'm just like, I'm too lazy to hit the X button. And so I just usually end up playing a, a little bit of those guys if, if, um, if the normal process leads me to them and um, take the WD away from Tiger. And I think he is an exceptional value, but uh, you do want to factor that in at least a little bit. Uh, Morikawa, so last week he was what 8,500. He was projected for a little bit higher ownership. Um, I was hesitant on him just because of the sample bar in the data golf projections reflecting some risk. And I kind of called that out in the pro tip. Um, and I liked Matsuyama better than Morikawa last week. And I, I think that's now reflected in the betting markets and even in the data golf projections. Now this week his price is cheaper and the projected ownership is lower. So 
I like Woodland better if you're just asking me head to head. So as far as like adjusting the projections, I would probably have them below Woodland and Kokrak, probably closer to Molinari. Um, but I think at 6% projected ownership, that's still going to creep into your roster builds. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool with all of that, but this is where, so I actually think where, I mean, this is obvious. This is where these tournaments are going to be won is everyone's going to have similar ownership distributions, I think above 9,000, but under 8,000 is where big decisions are going to be made. So guys that I like down here, Woodland, Kokrak, those are, those are two of the biggest ones. I think those guys have like the distance in the game to, you know, grind out the T18 here. Uh, I like answer again as well. Some dudes who I'm not interested in playing are like Kisner and uh, like Andrew Putnam, just dudes who I, I, I just don't do not see those guys having a good time on a, a this long of a golf course. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, fair points on Woodland, Kokrak and, and answer. Um, I think the ownership's going to reflect that though. I think Woodland, Kokrak are going to be the heaviest stone guys. Maybe answer, you get a little bit of a discount just because the price increase will make it a little bit harder to stomach. Um, and it's possible he ends up the same ownership as like Mark Leishman, for example. So I would put Leishman kind of in that mix of guys that can contend and you have the $7,500 price on Leishman and, um, some ownership kind of down off of that poor finish last week. And then you kind of have a bunch of the good T to green players in the like low end of the seven K range that uh, people are definitely comfortable putting into lineups. And, you know, I like these guys too. Um, Ben on was is probably the, the most notable guy from just an overall ball striking perspective, but Sabatini, I played a little bit last week, including that w- winning lineup. Neiman is in some of the hottest form relative to his personal baseline. Yeah. Neiman, Neiman is a dude who I don't have, I do not have the ability to, to, uh, to limit that guy. And then, um, the glove, I mean, the yeah. poor man's Webb Simpson, 7,100, Ball striking, you know, want really strong off the tee play and solid approach play with mediocre putting. Then I mean, he kind of got Glover CH three right there. Did we? Did I already do this bit last week where I said where Glover was in strokes gained total on tour last week? I don't know. I don't think so, dude. He's sixteenth on tour strokes gained total, and he's played a lot of events this year. Like I'm at the point to where I can say these stats straight from the PGA Tour website and not feel like a hack. <laughs> I know it does. I know it doesn't include the majors, but we're talking like twenty-five plus events at this point. Yeah, definitely, and you know, more or less, you're going to get a mix of some different levels of field competition too. So, um, yeah, it's still probably some difference there, adjusting for the strength of field. But you're right; the the full season stats start to you know start to align a little bit. Yeah. So. I guess- so I guess the, the main thing for me in this range, um, in the single entry, I think we kind of talked about some of the guys that I would be most interested in rostering, but. I like, I'd like to let macro principles dictate my ownership when I'm doing 150 max builds. And so the projected ownership constraint is going to funnel some of that to like Sabatini and um, CH3 and Glover. And then at the end of the day, I think it's really unlikely that two of these guys that are you know projected to be like sub 20% to T20 in this field, I think it's unlikely that two of them crack the top 10. So I do like to create groups for some of these guys just to, to limit it to kind of at most one super long shot. Yeah. Uh, well, do you, do you, so you go through and you do all those groups. So on, I do it for, uh, I do it specifically for FanDuel. It's, it's harder yeah. on DraftKings because the, the pricing is just tougher. So you, you kind of have to take some more chances there. It hasn't really clicked for me on, on DK this year in any of the main slate contests, but on FanDuel, I do create a group because the, the pricing is a little bit easier and it's, 
you can get lineups with like five extremely good high quality players and then you just need like one long shot to break through to to kind of rise so last week they it, the mini max filled early so they ran another one and i locked rory in to my lineups and i just thought it was very interesting in the way the like the way that it happened um that like the optimizer still gave me some like rory dustin lineups which which like is it at a no at a at a cut event was the most preposterous thing ever but i just like i just didn't go and bother and edit it and it was my my best team all week was rory dustin troy Merritt, abraham answer yeah. which like, it's just it's funny how these things like it's funny how the optimizer just does a team you would never make yeah definitely um and yeah i, I just think on i mean i, I kind of rattled off the FanDuel team between the field size and the pricing like I felt really good about, um, you know, you feel really good about four or five of the guys in every roster. So I like to kind of rotate through the puns on FanDuel a little bit more. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm good with all that. Do, are we, are we going to tout some puns? I have some I like. Yeah, go for it. Uh, Scott Piercy is a dude who I think has the requisite distance. Uh, this will not be an ex-Keegan week. There, there have been some ex-Keegan weeks in the past. This won't be one of them. Emiliano Grillo, Corey Connors, Dylan Fratelli, and dude, what if Phil Mickelson is sixty five hundred? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Isn't that absolutely nuts? Like Phil is down here with CD Pan and Von Taylor. He is. He is essentially make. You're you're making the same decision with Phil that you're making with Wyndham Clark. Yeah, it's crazy, and I mean. I mean, to be honest, like might might, might rather play Wyndham Clark for like sub five percent ownership too. Yeah. Oh, I, I how have I not touted Killa Keith yet? Third on tour, driving distance. Fourth on tour, strokes gained off the tee. We will again be overweight Killa Keith Mitchell this week. Yeah, I, I think um, that seems like a reasonable play. To to be honest, sixty three hundred two, he would fit some more stars and scrubs types of builds and. He is at the price where like the DK scoring could separate guys, you know, at the top end of the field above $9,000, you're going to need the, the place points. But, you know, if, you, if you're talking about the difference between finishing 30th and 70th, there aren't that many place points to go around. And uh, we glossed over it a little bit, but the par fives do seem like they're going to be scorable this week. So especially in like weekend golf showdown type formats, a lot of the points might be happening there. Keith Mitchell definitely capable of scoring on those holes. And I think data golf's got him at like, 20% to T20, so um, a pretty reasonable value down there at 6,300 Yeah. Um, I did not see any bet. I saw one bet I liked this week, but other like this seems like a pretty brutal event for betting, to be honest. Yeah, I, I honestly haven't looked at the card for betting yet, um, so I don't want to... Well, some of the guys who the data golf stuff likes, I'm like, that dude's not winning this tournament. You know, like just guys who I just cannot see myself parting with uh, US dollars for. <laughs> like, like like a Patrick Reed or Abraham answer like Glover like yeah. like I like I don't think Glover will win I think Glover is like you know I think he's got T12 in him for sure I just don't think he's gonna I don't think he's gonna win a FedEx Cup playoff event you know yeah well your boy Keith Mitchell 260 to one on FanDuel Sportsbook they've got his yeah. pretty, pretty good value we tout we touted Keith Mitchell on the FanDuel hurry up already Nice. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I tend to agree with you, right? There's so many good names in this field that it's unlikely that a long shot comes through, but that's why you get the big prices on them. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't lay, can't lay at 20 to one. I mean, it can't, anytime can't lays deeper than, than 20, I think he's probably fine. 
Um, yeah, and then, so, I mean, not much of a betting week for me. Probably won't be placing any outrights. Haven't looked at the top 20s. Um, and then as far as the one-and-done stuff, yeah, I mean, you got two events left, so you, you got to use the best guys that you have left. If you're trying to make up a million dollars, then maybe you can go a little bit deeper down the board and take a flyer on somebody that's not going to be popular, um, even like a, like a Tommy Fleetwood or Jordan Spieth. But for the most part, you're just going to be looking towards the top of the, the probabilities and just taking you know, the best player remaining. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to take Brooks uh, next week. When he, when he starts minus 10. Yeah. I mean, that's like the one strategy point, right. Would be um, to try to look at that a little bit. Think about the guys that could be ahead in the FedEx standings going into the tour championship and maybe you save one of them for next week. But um, I mean, you don't have too many golfers remaining at this point with two tournaments left. Yeah. I, I, I am looking forward to coming back strong for the one and done season next year and remembering to submit my picks every week. (laughs) That's that's step one. I only missed one this week, and it was a week where I didn't save, and it was a Paul Casey win. So I did pretty good on remembering my picks. Not so good on the dudes I actually picked. Yeah. So. Missing, missing Rory at the players still tilting me. So that'll, that'll do it for this week's Going for the Green. If you guys do want to check out our NFL product, it will be free for the next couple of weeks over at dailyroto.com. You can check out the NFL Optimizer with – way too early projections for v, uh, week one of the NFL season. And obviously, if you want to join us, uh, you can save 10% with the promo code FNTSY.